Shalom, I'm Yaakov, and you're listening to Line Upon Line, a podcast dedicated to a Messiah-essential understanding of the Scriptures. In today's episode, we interrupt our series on the book of Yaakov to do a seasonal teaching on the festival of Shavuot, commonly known as Pentecost. I've entitled this episode From Sinai to Moriah, that is the mountain Sinai or Horeb, where the Torah was given, and Moriah being Mount Zion, Harbeit, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Let's begin at the beginning. Most of us Jews don't know what you mean when you say Pentecost, nor does our understanding of Shavuot, that is Pentecost, begin in Acts chapter 2. To begin a race at the halfway marker is to misunderstand the purpose, goal and reward of that race. What's more, for the God-honoring, biblically observant Jew, there is no finish line. There are only new beginnings. So what does it mean to understand the goal from the beginning? How can we understand the goal if we don't understand the beginning? Furthermore, how can we understand the beginning if we don't understand that the all-existing goal Yudhei is the creator of all beginning, and that Messiah Yeshua is both the author and the goal of the Torah. We know this from Romans 10 verse 4. Chronological thinking is temporal, but in Messiah there is a transcendent way of being that refuses to be bound by time and space. There is no time in eternity. Time is the prison of the death-bound, but we serve the God of the living, the God of Avam, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Yeshua says, Now, behold, pay attention concerning the rising of the dead. Haven't you read in the book of Moshe, the drawn-out, resurrected one, in the account of the burning bush, how yud Vavhe said to him, I am the Elohim of Avraham, the Elohim of Yitzchak, and the Elohim of Yaakov. He is not the Elohim of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. Shavuot is a festival of many names. It's called Ziman Matan Torateinu, season of the giving of the Torah, it's called Chag HaKatsir, the Feast of Harvest. Another name, Chag HaShavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And yet again, Yom HaBikurim, the Festival Day of First Fruits. Not to be confused with Yom HaBikurim, the specific Day of First Fruits, which is the Sunday following the Sabbath of Pesach. It's also known as Atzeret Shel Pesach, the conclusion of Passover, a teaching that comes from the Talmud but is based in Scripture. It's based, of course, on counting the Omer from the day Yom HaBikorim to the festival Yom HaBikorim. 
Finally, we have the common English name Pentecost, which comes from the Greek Pente, meaning 50. And of course, this is because seven by seven weeks follow with the 50th day. Let's go through each of the names and take a look at the scripture and or the Talmudic reference to their meanings. The first name, Season of the Giving of the Torah, Zeman Matan Torah Tenu. We're now looking at 1300 BCE and the text, Shemot or Exodus 19, 1-2, which reads, In the third month, Sivan, after Benai Israel, the children of Israel, had gone out of the land of Mitzrayim, Egypt, double distress. That same day, they arrived at the wilderness of Sinai. They travelled from Rephidim, came into the wilderness of Sinai, and set up camp in the wilderness. Israel camped there right in front of the mountain. We note that when the festival of Shavuot was given at Sinai, Israel had neither land nor harvest. Therefore, its significance both precedes and reaches beyond harvest alone and finds its inception in the giving of the Torah. I want to pause here for a moment and just let you know that that noise in the background is rain falling quite heavily here in Auckland, New Zealand, where I'm recording this podcast. So don't be disturbed by that. Let's just think of it as white noise. Continuing with this name, Ziman Matan Torah Tainu, Season of the Giving of the Torah, and remembering that this took place around about 1300 BCE, let's take a look at the fire on the mountain of Sinai. Exodus 19.18 reads, Now the entire Mount Sinai was in smoke, because Adonai had descended upon it in fire. The smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked greatly. Exodus 20, 18-19 reads, All the people witnessed the thundering and the lightning and the sound of the shofar, that is the ram's horn, and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood far off. So they said to Moshe, Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. It's interesting to note that at this time, 70 of the elders of Israel were touched by fire from the heavens. Jewish tradition teaches that flames of fire descended upon the 70 elders of Israel at Sinai during the giving of the Torah. Bamidbar, or Numbers 11, 16-17, reads, Adonai said to Moshe, Bring me seventy of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and their leaders. Take them to the tent of meeting, so they may stand with you there. Then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the ruach, the spirit, that is on you, and will place it on them. They will carry with you the burden of the people, so you will not be carrying it alone. 
In both biblical and rabbinical Judaism, the number 70 represents the nations. This is in reference to the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10. Thus, the people of Israel, having received the Torah by fire, were tasked to be a light to the nations. Let's also take a look at the fiery light beam horns of Moses. Now that might sound strange to you, but let me explain it. Moses is sometimes depicted with horns following his receipt of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 34, 29-35. The Hebrew Quran can be translated as either horns or beams of light. The best understanding of this is found by holding the meaning in the tension of mystery, accepting both translations as a convergent whole. Horns symbolize strength and light, the present manifestation of God's glory. Therefore, Moses reflected God's strength and glory according to the presence of God's Spirit upon him, that is, revealed upon his head, the chief over his body, Moses being the leader who God had appointed as chief over the people at that time. The traditional Torah text is sometimes called the fire text due to the threefold flicks of the pen above certain characters. Now let's take a look at the second name of the festival of Shavuot, the Feast of Harvest, Chag HaKatzil. Exodus 23, 14-16 reads, Three times in the year you are to celebrate a festival for me. You are to observe the feast of Matzot. For seven days you will eat Matzot, as I commanded you, and at the time appointed in the month Aviv, for that is when you came out from Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Also, you are to observe the Feast of Harvest, Chag HaKatzil, the first fruits of your labors that you sow in the field, as well as the Feast of Ingathering, that's the feast we know as Sukkot, or the Feast of Shelters. This is at the end of the year, when you gather your crops from the field. So this text is letting us know about all three of the Regalim, the waiting times or the Aliot, the going up festivals, Passover, which is the seven days when you will eat Matzot, Matzah, the plural of, and also the feast we're talking about right now, Shavuot, Pentecost, finally the feast of Sukkot, Ingathering. The point, of course, for today's episode is that we're looking at Chag HaKatsir, the Feast of Harvest. The third name for Shavuot is simply Chag HaShavuot, the Feast of Weeks. Leviticus 23, 15-16 reads, Then you are to count from the day after the Shabbat of Passover, from the day that you brought the Omer, that's a measure of barley flour, or of barley grain, of the wave offering, seven complete Shabbatot, Sabbaths, until the day after the seventh Shabbat, 
you are to count 50 days and then present a new grain offering to Adonai. So that day after the Shabbat of Passover is the day Yom HaBekorim, and that day begins the count of the Omir, that is the portion of grain, so that we count 50 portions of grain to the 50th day, seven by seven weeks, that's the reference to the seven Shabbatot, the seven Sabbaths, the 50th day being the beginning or the day of Shavuot. The fourth name for this festival is the festival of first fruits, as we said, Habekoim. Numbers 28.26 says, On the day of first fruits, when you offer to Adonai a new grain offering during the Feast of Weeks, that's Shavuot, you are to have a sacred assembly. You are to do no laborious work. On this day, two leavened loaves are offered before God. Leviticus 23.17 says, You are to bring out of your houses two loaves of bread for a wave offering, made of two tenths of an ephah of fine flour. They are to be baked with chametz, yeast, as a first fruits to Adonai. Leviticus 23.17 says, Yeast may not come into contact with the altar of Hashem because yeast is a physical symbol of the festering presence of sin in the present world. This makes the Shavuot wave offering exceptional. Two loaves are made with yeast and waved before God in gratitude for the harvest and in petition for an abundant future harvest. However, they are not brought near, nor are they offered on the altar. So why two loaves, and why are they made with yeast? This is connected to the 70 elders of Sinai. Shavuot celebrates God's abundant blessing to an undeserving and sinful people, a people tasked with bringing the message of God's goodness to the nations. Therefore, there are two loaves made with yeast, yeast representing sin. These two loaves represent two peoples, Ayurdim ve Agoim, the Jews and the nations. The fifth name for Shavuot is Atzeret Shapesach, the completion or the fullness of Passover. Our rabbis base this name on the fact that the day of Shavuot is decided by beginning to count from the conclusion of Passover, as previously explained. Leviticus 23.15.16 Then you are to count from the day after the Shabbat of Passover, from the day that you bought the Omer of the wave offering, seven complete Shabbatot, until the day after the seventh Shabbat, you are to count 50 days and then present a new grain offering to Adonai. With respect to Messianic understanding, this reflects the fact that the complete work of Yeshua means the filling of the believer with the promised Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit. Therefore, the outpouring and infilling of the Holy Spirit is a type of completion of the work of Passover. Finally, we have 
the common English name from the Greek penti, meaning 50, the name being Pentecost. Pentecost is a season of jubilee, of freedom from all that causes bondage, both spiritual and physical. The Hayovel Jubilee is the year that renews the cycle of the regular seventh year of Shemitot, sabbatical years. The book of Leviticus decrees of God that Hebrew Jewish slaves and prisoners are to be set free, debts are to be forgiven, and as a result of the obedience of the people of Israel to these instructions, Yudhei the God of Israel, will manifest his mercy in a tangible and transcendent way. It might interest you to know the traditional readings for Shavuot. In addition to the Torah prescription for Shavuot, which is Exodus 23, 16, 34, 22, Deuteronomy 16, 9 to 12, Numbers 28, 26 to 31, Leviticus 23, 15 to 21, observant Jews also read Ezekiel 1, 1 to 28 and 3, 12, Habakkuk 2, 20 to 3, 19, and, of course, the Megillah of Ruth, the scroll of Ruth. The fullness of Scripture and its connection to Shavuot is very important. Let's take a look at the fire from the heavens, beginning with Acts 2, 1-4. When the day of Shavuot had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues like fire spreading out appeared to them and settled on each one of them. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages as the Ruach Spirit enabled them to speak. Ezekiel 1.4 reads, I looked and behold a storm, ruach, wind, spirit, came from the north, a great cloud with flashing fire and brightness all around it, and something like a glowing alloy out of the fire. Habakkuk 3, 3-5 reads, God comes from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His majesty covers the heavens and his praise fills the earth. With brilliance like light, rays emanate from his hand. There his power was hidden. Pestilence goes before him. A fiery bolt goes forth at his feet. Ezekiel 36, 25-27 reads, Then I will sprinkle abundantly clean water on you, and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the stony heart from your body and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my Ruach, spirit, within you. Then I will cause you to walk in my laws so you will keep my rulings and do them. Jeremiah 31, 30-33 reads, Behold, now, pay attention. Days are coming. It is a declaration of Adonai, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. It is a declaration of Adonai. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. It is a declaration of Adonai. I will put my Torah within them. Yes, I will write it on their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will each teach his neighbor or each his brother saying, No Adonai, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. It is a declaration of Adonai, for I will forgive their iniquity, their sin I will remember no more. So why so much fire associated with Shavuot? Fire at Sinai, at the Mount Horeb where the Torah was given. Fire in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem, where the Holy Spirit was poured out. Fire on the heads of God's chosen people in both those circumstances, separated by over a thousand years. Fire is the root Ish of man, Ish, breathed into the earth to create humanity. Fire is a reminder of the everlasting nature of the human soul from conception. Fire consumes that which is dead and transforms it into light. Fire warms the righteous and burns the wicked. Fire is a living symbol of resurrection. Fire is intrinsically connected to both the Torah and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Let's briefly discuss some of the traditions of Shavuot before we move on to how it connects us in the New Testament book of Acts. Traditionally, Shavuot is the date of the giving of the Torah at Sinai, as I've explained. Traditionally, it's also the date of King David's interment or burial. It's an Aliyah, going up festival, or as I said, a one of the Regalim, that is meaning moments, waitings, a moment or a waiting on God. These three festivals, of course, are Pesach, Passover, Shavuot, Pentecost, and Sukkot, the Feast of Shelters. Observant Jews study Torah throughout the night on Shavuot. This is called Lil Shavuot. Observant Jews also read the Megillah Rut, the scroll of Ruth. Observant Jews eat dairy foods. Observant Jews pray. They pray the prayer of Yitzchor, remembrance, including Kaddish, the mourner's prayer, in memory of lost loved ones. So why eat dairy foods? The rabbi is taught that it is because the Torah is likened to milk and honey. Song of Songs 4.11 The Hebrew word for milk, halav, has a numerical value of 40 and the number of the days Moses was on the mountain was also 40. Further, the gematria of Givinah, cheese, is 70, corresponding to the 70 faces of Torah and, of course, to the 70 elders of Israel. 
Why do we read Ruth? Well, it's because the events of the scroll of Ruth take place at the time of the barley harvest and look forward to an end at the wheat harvest. The scroll of Ruth speaks of a kinsman redeemer, Boaz, whose name means coming strength, who is a figure for the King Messiah. Let's now take a look at a new beginning, reading Acts 2, 1-2, and the account of Shavuot, CE 33. When the day of Shavuot had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing ruach, wind, and it filled the whole house where they were resting. Who are they? Well, the they in this context were the 120 followers who had been part of Yeshua's retinue, including the 12 minus 1 Talmud, the 12 disciples minus Yuda, his mother Miriam, his brothers and other female Talmudot disciples, all collectively numbering approximately 120 people, all of them Jews, ethnic, religious, empirical, chosen. And we read about that in Acts 1, 13-15, and verse 26. As at Sinai, so too at Moriah, that is, as at the Mount Horeb where the giving of the Torah took place, so too there are similarities, uncanny, exact similarities, at Mount Zion in Yerushalayim, where the Holy Spirit was poured out into the early believers. Exodus twenty eighteen to 19 reads, All the people witnessed the thundering and the lightning and the sound of the shofar, the ram's horn, and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood far off. So they said to Moshe, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. This happened in approximately 1300 BCE. Now let's time travel forward to 33 CE. Acts 2, 3-4 reads, And languages like fire spreading out appeared to them and settled on each one of them. For they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and began to speak in other languages as the Ruach enabled them to speak. Now let's travel back to 1300 BCE. Numbers 11, 16-17. Adonai said to Moshe, Bring me 70 of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and their leaders. Take them to the tent of meeting so they may stand with you there. Then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the ruach, the spirit that is on you, and will place it on them. They will carry with you the burden of the people, so you will not carry it alone. At Sinai, the spirit is given so that the burden of the Torah might be mitigated. The Spirit is prophetically promised to Israel, who are to share the good news of God's redemptive purpose to all nations. Thus, 70 elders representing the nations now 
At Moriah, that is Mount Sion in Yerushalayim, 120 Jews representing the fullness of God's promise to Israel received the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, that they might share the good news of Yeshua to all those Jews gathered from throughout the known world who have come up for the festival of Shavuot. Jews who will believe, in fact, 3,000 of them. They will believe and take the good news back to the nations that they have travelled from to come up to Jerusalem for the Aliyah festival of Shavuot. Thus, the two loaves of Chalot, the yeast-filled bread of the wave offering, Yom HaBikorim, the first fruits, the Jews and the nations. Acts 2, 15-16 Now Jewish people were staying in Yerushalayim, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound came, the crowd gathered. They were bewildered, because each heard them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, All these who are speaking, aren't they Galileans? How is it that we each hear our own birth language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those living in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya towards Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jewish people and full proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring in our own tongues the mighty deeds of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to each other, What does this mean? Others, poking fun, were saying, They are full of sweet new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Fellow Judeans and all who are staying in Yerushalayim, let this be known to you, and pay attention to my words. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken about in the prophet Joel. So the next words are a quote from Joel 2, 28-32. And it shall be in the last days, says Adonai, that I will pour out my ruach on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my slaves, male and female, I will pour out my ruach in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will give wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire, smoky vapour. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of Adonai comes. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of Adonai shall be saved. Acts 2.22-25 reads, Men of Israel, hear these words. Yeshua Hanotsui, a man authenticated to you by God with mighty deeds and wonders and signs, God performed through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Yeshua, given over by God's predetermined plan and foreknowledge, nailed to the cross by the hand of lawless men, 
you killed. But God raised him up, releasing him from the pains of death, since it was impossible for him to be held by it. For David says about him, and this is a quote from Psalm 16, 8-11, I saw Adonai always before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Acts 2.29-31 reads on, saying, Brothers, I can confidently tell you that the patriarch David died and was buried. His tomb is with us to this day. You'll remember that we've just said that the burial of David is commemorated on Shavuot. So because he was a prophet and knew God had sworn with an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne, David saw beforehand and spoke of Messiah's resurrection, that he was not abandoned to Sheol and his body did not see decay. Acts 2, 32-35, and this quotes Psalm 110.1 in part of the text. This Yeshua God raised up. We are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and receiving from the Father the promise of the War HaKodesh, he poured out this, what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, yet he himself says, Adonai said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Acts 2, 36-47 reads on, saying, Therefore let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, this Yeshua, whom you had crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Kephar, to Peter, and the rest of the emissaries, Fellow brethren, what shall we do? Kephar, Peter, said to them, Repent. And let each of you be immersed in the name of Messiah Yeshua for the removal of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the War HaKodesh. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far away, as many as Adonai our God calls to himself. With many other words he warned them and kept urging them, saying, Save yourselves from this twisted generation. So those who received his message were immersed, and that day about 3,000 souls were added. They were devoting themselves to the teaching of the emissaries and to fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayers. Fear lay upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were happening through the emissaries. And all who believed were together, having everything in common. They began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as any had need. Day by day they continued with one mind, spending time at the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were sharing meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord was adding to their number those being saved.
To conclude, I'd like to look at how the gospel is seen or represented in Shavuot from Sinai, Choreb, the giving of the Torah, to Mount Moriah, Mount Zion in Yerushalayim. First, we have this word Sinai. It means thorny. And the other name for the mountain, Choreb, which means desert or dry place. Then we have this name, Moriah. Hashem, or Adonai Yudhei mercy himself, sees. Mercy himself chooses. Finally, we have Yerushalayim, outpouring of peace. And so in these names, we see, in a thorny desert place, in our sinful state, we heard the word, the Torah, the instruction of God, and those who chose to pursue the goal of the Torah, having been seen and chosen by mercy, God himself, received the outpouring of his peace, the Comforter, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Father and of the Son. Baruch Hashem. Chag Shavuot Sameach have a transcendent, joy-filled celebration of the festival of Shavuot. Join me again for the next episode in which we will address the latter part of Yaakov chapter 1. And as is always the case, the notes or the commentary for this episode are available on our website www.bethmalek.com under the tab Yaakov's Commentary. Simply put in the search bar Shavuot or Pentecost and this article will come up in order for you to do further study. Shalom Lechem, Chag Shavuot Sameach.